Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hello. Hey, everyone. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We're here live to Welcome. do a Q&A to talk about the hard stuff, why it's the good stuff, to talk about our power and privilege as parents and as, as white people, right, privileged folks. Yeah. Um, how can we do this differently? How can we show up and grow up? How can we raise kids in a way that feels good and aligned to us, mm-hmm. nurtures our family, and also raises a different generation? Yeah. We're practicing. <laughs> works in progress, making our, um, our work in these disciplinary <laughs> moments, uh, uh, um, in pursuit of really using powers beyond control. Yeah. I'm having trouble with my word making tonight. <laughs> powers beyond control. What does that mean? So when yeah. we became parents, we were handed this big toolbox, right? It's like, Oh, some patriarchy, a little bit of racism, a little tool, like our egos Oops. in there, little cookie cutters for our kids. Those are in there. Like there's so much interesting stuff in here. None of it feels good. None of it um, does what we want. It comes automatically. That's for sure. It's so instinctual. So I think a lot of our work here at Upbringing, especially in these live Q&As, is not just talking about those greater ideals and the ways that we can be interrupting these cycles of oppression and systemic racism and white patriarchy that we don't believe in, but to be getting in there in the nitty gritty. But what about when my kid... What does that look like? What about when my baby won't? What about this fear I have? Or what about these mean words, these challenging behaviors, these things that are pushing me beyond. What do I do then? If I can't necessarily trust all of my instincts and my cultural conditioning in responding to these, or more like reacting, right. how can we be responding? Mm-hmm. In a, with a little bit more intention, with a little bit more <clears throat> awareness, with a little bit more um, skills. That's right? what we like to talk out here. So let us know what's going on. 
<clears throat> someone says instinctual and also so ingrained in our culture. Yes. I think that parenting can be a countercultural act. It can be an act of resistance. It can dismantle systems, right? That we don't believe in, in our personal and our professional and our mm -hmm. political lives, right? Parenting has so much power. Uh, if we, let it, you know, if, if we're able to do that. And that's yeah. part of the privilege that we have is that we can think about these things. We can lean into these things. Mm -hmm. We have the time to read, to talk, to listen, to think, right? Yeah. What is our intention? Wow, what's our impact? I think that that's why so many of us are in, in these kind of more conscious, gentle, um, respectful parenting realms on Instagram and beyond. And um, and also based on all the research, you're saying, gosh, we need to get in there and have these talks with our kids about their freedom to be, to self-express, you know, what it is to be an anti-racist mm -hmm. as a person, as a family, all of these things, we're taking them to the rallies, we're buying the shirts, we're getting the books, we're, we're structuring our communities differently. We're having these tough conversations that are so necessary. Right. And I think what we like to focus on for those of you new here is all of those moments of conflict, those interpersonal uh, situations between us and our kids where we might be leaning on that toolbox that I mentioned earlier. Daily, multiple We've times a so day. many chances yeah. to be really like working our anti-racism game. Teaching our kids yeah. about how to use power, mm -hmm. how to abuse power, how to experience power, mm -hmm. how to honor and express that inner wisdom and inner authority that begins in every person and gets culturally conditioned out of them, right? That's the goal. And that's why discipline is that hotbed, like perfect topic mm -hmm. of saying, wow, we have these beliefs as parents and progressive people, but then wait, we're using power in this really interesting way in our discipline mm -hmm. practices with timeouts and consequences, lecturing, um, rewards, incentives, all of these kind Spanking, of control-based uh, techniques that we do not want to be perpetuating anywhere else in our lives, but somehow we're kind of accidentally doing this at home. Yeah. And so, and that's what makes it yeah. so amazing that you're here thinking about this, talking about this. If yeah. you're here, you're doing the work. Right. These conversations take a lot of bravery, a lot of vulnerability to say like, okay, so I was conditioned this way. Okay. So my upbringing was this way. Okay. So my beliefs are in a track like this. I'm open. I'm ready. I'm willing to change, to grow up alongside my kids for mm -hmm. sanity and social change, to make little changes, to even just be more aware of the way I'm interacting with my family in these tough moments. Right. Yeah. Love that. So, so type what you're, what you're, yeah. you're going to do the fingers, type what you're going through, what's happening. We especially love talking about kids with sensitive temperaments, spirited, strong-willed temperaments, yeah. the ones Parents with yeah. sensitive and strong-willed temperaments. We're out there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what can we do to support you right now? How can we be of service to you in these hard times, these hard months, this hard year of being home and up in each other's space and yeah. it, um, up in each other's stress so much more than we have been. Mm -hmm. We're here for you. We understand you. We see you. We're going through it too. Yeah. Let us know what's coming to mind. What's surfacing about school, about mm -hmm. uh, diapering, dressing, bathing, hygiene, meal times, sleep transitions, um, any of those things that really come up over and over and over that are these kind of mm -hmm. chronic stressors where you're realizing and you're sensing there's a pattern here where normally you and your kid are kind of side by side doing your thing. Certain points of the day and places, you're like this, right? And this is an opportunity to learn, to grow up alongside your kid, mm -hmm. to practice those powers beyond control because they're teaching moments. Yeah. Right? And I love the, the realms you brought up, Hannah, because those tie yeah. in perfectly to our freedoms model. So we've got mm -hmm. two things on our website you can download for free. 
well, three things. We've got a spirited kids mini guide. Then we've got our resist approach, which is the how, getting in there in those moments that our kids resist us. How can we be using those powers beyond control to be resisting cultural conditioning, white patriarchy, all the things. Then our freedoms model is just an awareness building um, kind of exercise and thinking about these realms of our kids' lives, babies, toddlers, children, adolescents, partners mm -hmm. that are theirs and the ways that we can be thinking about and interacting with sensitively to support because they belong to them. How do we get shit done day to day and move through those transitions, keep our responsibilities strong, keep everyone safe and fed and clothed, and also not be impinging on the rights or like you said, Hannah earlier, showing power in a way that we don't want our kids to be learning. Right. So Amy, you wrote something. What, what did it say, Hannah? Let's see. My little one held up the mirror big time for me today. I was about to style his bed head before an appointment today, which he usually doesn't mind. And today he was not having it. I hate admitting that it triggered me. He asked me why he needed to have his hair brushed and what would happen if he went to the appointment with bedhead. And there I was with no logical answer. Oh, isn't that a beautiful yeah. moment when you realize because I said so isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I yeah. love that. Realizing, wow, my kid usually goes along with these things that are in his best interest or mm -hmm. that I'm used to doing and, and wanting to do with the best of intentions. And all of a sudden, my child's saying, no, why? Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. do I need to be groomed to this particular thing? Does it really matter yeah. when I'm four? When I'm why five? do I have to go say good goodbye to so-and-so or I'm sorry? Why do I have to pick up my room? It's my room. Right. These moments that feel like instinctually a pain in the ass, an obstacle, a pushback, a power struggle and negotiation right. that we've manipulation that we've been culturally con conditioned to say shut that down Ugh, right. that's bad are right. such beautiful moments you call the mirror moment mm. to think okay i'm gonna listen this is my ding ding yeah. when my kids resist we get the chance to be resisting all that shit we don't believe in and meeting them where they are thinking about those freedoms of theirs mm -hmm. right he's got a he's got a freedom he's thinking about consent and what that means. He's thinking about the external versus the internal. He's considering all these things. And, and I mean, just the why really, uh, I think needs to continue to happen and be our primary focus mm -hmm. before the what or the now. Mm -hmm. and, and I think our kids, they want to have buy-in just like anybody in their life, any of us in our lives. We want to understand why before we consent I hope we do. to whatever it yeah. is, right? That's the goal. And so I think that before we just insist on because it needs to happen or what we have to do, they, they need to buy into that and understand all of that. And she said, I told him nothing would happen, that it was just mommy's insecurity that people will judge me for not taking care of him. But I honored his right to choose for himself. Bedhead it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe that showed he got a good night of sleep. Mm -hmm. That's that's a that's yeah. a, a positive judgment on you, mom. Right. And but, it's hard for kids to understand and like perspective yeah. take about the impact of something, not even on them, but on their parent. And so yeah. we don't always want to be reinforcing like, what are gonna, people going to think about me as your parent? Yeah. That's something they'll eventually notice and pick up. Yeah. Um, but I think you can just say, well, usually people, when they go to appointments, they brush their hair. But and it doesn't but, have to be everyone. But it doesn't have to be everyone. If and you're not feeling it's people it. who are feeling either uh, anxious because their mm -hmm. hair is not done in front of everyone else. Mm -hmm. That might be you, might not be you. Mm -hmm. Or it's people who want to feel like they look like everybody else. And that's yeah. such a good teaching or, moment. Or it could just be a personal thing. When I go to the doctor, I brush my hair. It feels like a little more fancy or a little more like, speaking of my hair, I got my hair done. Lisa Clark hair, she's amazing. Um, <laughs> 
you know, I feel a little more fancier. I feel a little more like prepared for uh, an appointment, but that's just me. If you don't feel that, like that's going to help you feel prepared, that's you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's focusing on the internal rather than the external gaze, right? Yeah. How am I feeling? How am I showing up? Am I comfortable in the way that I'm feeling and presenting rather than how's everyone going to think about this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Let's see if you mentioned anything else. We've got a bunch of folks coming in here. Let us know what's going on with big feelings, yeah. challenging behaviors. We've got a lot to catch up on. Amy, you said, love that. I felt so stuck in that moment because I had no answer. Thank you for these dialogues. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, I saw you also put a sticker into our uh, prompt earlier about times that you're setting a boundary and maybe you're feeling a little bit frustrated and your son says, mommy, just be happy. Mm-hmm. Or why aren't you happy? Or is noticing maybe your emotional state and um and struggling a little with that and you're not quite sure what to say like i am happy or i'm fine or whatever it is because like you said you don't want him to necessarily feel um Mm -hmm. in charge of your emotions um or making the situation about how you feel about him which i love so i think in those moments when our kids notice or pick up on our vibe they're so sensitive wonderful spongy you okay mama or it's like are you happy like they're noticing, which is great, but we, you're right. We don't want them to always be thinking, what's mama's emotional state? I know our, our biggest, like the biggest part of our ego would love everyone to be thinking constantly, <laughs> yeah. how's mom doing? Right. Wouldn't that be so great? But our kids aren't responsible. That's for not that, their right? job, right? Yeah. So in those moments that our kids kind of call us out, let's think of it as that. They're calling us out. That's a moment to double down on our self-regulation. Maybe I'm showing a little more frustration than I meant to. So that's when I take the deep breath and I can just say, oh, I'm happy. I'm good. I'm struggling a little. So we don't have to conceal how we're feeling or what we're going through with our kids because they know when we're not telling the truth. So I wouldn't even say I'm happy because happy is this goal that maybe this child is having. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to be happy all the time. You can be like, oh, just sidestep the word. Yeah. Yeah. Not say that. You could just be like, oh, I'm hanging in. I'm thinking about and then identify what's going on for you. So just like we want to identify what's going on for our kids when they're struggling so they can build some awareness Mm -hmm. when they see a face or feel something in their body. Mm -hmm. Same goes when they see something on another person's face or our face. Mm -hmm. What we translate what's going on. I'm just struggling a little because we might not have enough time to get to your class on time. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling a little because um, I've been, uh, you know, trying to get us both to toothbrushing and like yeah. this, yeah. you know, Lego I'm project struggling is a little and because I came in and noticed the mess and I was just trying to talk to you about it so that we can move on to the next thing. Right. That's all. Yeah. So we kind of sidestep the binary talk, which we're trying to dispense of as parents too. Mm-hmm. Our kids aren't happy or sad. They're not good or bad. They're not right or wrong. We're all human. We're all working on the middle ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that helps a little bit. Someone else said, how to teach them things that you're still learning, things about life. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think that's a beautiful concept that we love talking about teaching. And I think we, the way we perceive it and how we work with folks in understanding it is that uh, the way to learn about life is to live it. And the way to teach about life is to model it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we move through life with our kids. As we're learning, we're teaching. So Mm -hmm. when we move through life yelling and doing those things, our kids are learning that a little bit. When we're Mm -hmm. moving through life, trying to be doing other things, translating our needs, regulating our bodies, getting curious, innovating, Mm -hmm. doing those types of things. That's what our kids are learning too. And life is, it's not all perfect parent behavior. Life is ups and downs. Life is human interaction. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we can teach them is saying, we're human. You're human. I'm yeah. trying my best. You're trying your best, but not having to teach explicitly. Like a lot of us have been raised to mm-hmm. teach. 
where like we imagine the child is this empty vessel where we're putting information in or this blank slate where we're writing and teaching explicitly what to do, what to do. It's not actually how people learn. Kids, especially, and all of us really learn through moving through whatever it is. We don't learn by reading about cooking. We learn by cooking and flipping mm -hmm. that thing in the pan and slapping that egg on the Barbie or whatever it is. I obviously don't cook, so I have no idea what I'm talking about. I love cooking metaphors though, regardless. But you learn by doing. And that's mm -hmm. how people actually learn and how our kids learn. Yeah, but so they learn through their day-to-day -day experience yeah. with us and the, the experience in the moment and the processing afterward. Yeah. And I think keying into that processing afterward is something that part of our parent toolbox, one of the things is never apologize, never show weakness to your kids. And I think that that's one of our biggest superpowers is what we call the, the circle back. Right. We, um, often we apologize during the circle back. I love opening a circle back with an mm -hmm. apology. I can always think of one pretty easily. Oh, sure. Just right at the tip of my sure, tongue is sure. often. Um, but yeah, it, we can explain to our kids that we're always learning by showing them, by saying, gosh, that thing that happened earlier, wish I'd shown up a little differently. It seemed like you were needing this and I was kind of like, like this. Um, I'm still learning how to support you or gosh, we went to the store and we were juggling you and the two babies and it ended up being a pull the plug on the cart situation where we had to run poopy to the car with everyone and still learning how to do that. We're all learning. We're all, like you said, human. And those conversations <clears throat> later, it's not a, taking not a that teaching, hierarchy and busting right, it. Not in a teaching moment, in the heat of the moment, when mm -hmm. our kids are struggling or when we're struggling, but later when everyone's calm and we can have a, a relaxed conversation. We're driving, we're at the dinner table, we're snuggling in bed. That's our superpower. Mm -hmm. When we can't, you know, be our best selves necessarily, when we can't always comport ourselves the way we would ideally like to, when things go sideways and we can't control it, that's okay. Mm -hmm. We've always got the circle back. Right. I'm just thinking about a quote our, our dad always says is what separates humans from animals and it's our ability to accessorize. <laughs> but I also think it's our ability to circle back because <laughs> I don't know if animals figure out ways to make amends with one another and like, process do. situations. Maybe they just move on. Maybe they like do grooming situations. I have no idea, but <laughs> that came to mind. I think your daughter does that after she's kind of yeah. crossed a line a little bit. She'll just be like, She'll be like, hey, I'm going to stroke you a little bit in the anyway. hair area. Yes. <laughs> Someone says, my six-year-old has a tough time when he's told no. Like mm. dinner's also ready, so it's not snack time. Yeah. Mm. No is a hard word for kids or anyone to understand. I don't like to hear no. Yeah. <laughs> who loves to hear no? And I think that kids who are sensitive who are spirited are two types of folks who do not like to hear the word no. They might and be that, like a great combo. And that doesn't have and spirited. And that doesn't mean that we should never set limits or boundaries with them. It means that we should meet their spiritedness and sensitivity with our own awareness of spiritedness and sensitivity. Mm -hmm. What does that, that mean? What does that mean? It means saying, well, if no is a triggering word that makes them feel unheard, unseen, mm -hmm. anxious, it triggers an anxiety response for them then I'm going to use other words that help mm -hmm. them get that information they need, but not feel like it's them against us, that mm -hmm. our attachment is at risk, that their value or a sense of belonging is at risk. Yeah. The no can often feel very, um, very abandoning, very displacing, um, very anxiety inducing yeah. to people. But I think a lot of people might be like, well, they're going to hear a lot of no's in their life. I should be preparing them. <laughs> they're not going to get everything they want. Right. Entitled generation to keep remembering. This is our incubator. This is yeah. our safe space where we're not saying yes for everything. No, no way. Right. Yeah. 
We're saying instead, yes, I see you. I honor your impulse for wanting that snack. What snack was it? Tell me about it. How much of the snack? When was the last time you ate? What time's dinner? Right. We're side by side here. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm the barrier and the snack police, which Mm -hmm. we so easily can step into being like, I'm the gatekeeper here. Can we know our role role as the gatekeeper, but can we kind of tuck that role away in our back pocket and instead be sensitive support staff? It's not you versus me. I like snacks. You like snacks. Let's talk about snacks. When would be a good time for snacks? And then at a certain point, you want that snack. I still am acknowledging and validating your very normal, necessary need for something that I have thought about beforehand and still have to hold the limit on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a, a barrier to the snacks. If I have to be physically, <clears throat> I'm going to be the loving person that says, what else can we do and innovates? That's what our resist approach is for. I think before we say no to anything, mm-hmm. we have to honor our child's desire mm-hmm. and raise their awareness around it. So they have an awareness that their desires are okay. And that, that we, and hopefully other places are a safe place to communicate those desires. Mm-hmm. And then when we say no, no is a word that shuts down conversation. Mm-hmm. It shuts down connection. And so we want to say no in a way that invites connection and invites conversation mm-hmm. so that we're conditioning our kids that when they go into other environments, when they're older and someone just says, no, you can't have that healthcare option. No, you can't have this new dress policy at work. Mm-hmm. No, whatever it is. Our kids feel entitled in the best sense of the word to say, why? Mm-hmm. Tell me more. I'm sorry, but no is not a good enough answer for me. Mm-hmm. I need a little bit more context. Yeah. I need a little bit more information, a little more mm-hmm. co- connection, essentially, Agency. around this thing in, yeah, before I you know, uh, step back and I say an acquiesce, essentially. We're so scared of our kids becoming these like master negotiators Tyrants. or manipulators. Yeah. But I think that we, we forget these moments over a snack before dinner can be a wonderful moment to yeah. be practicing with our kids, how to be a conscientious consumer, yeah. a self-advocate, a healthy, healthily entitled human being mm-hmm. to be resisting Systems that say no, and I don't have to tell you why, mm-hmm. and to be pushing against that. Yeah. We, we're that first super lucky person who gets pushed against, <laughs> who gets resisted. And that's why we talk about not stamping out our kids' resistance, not making that the end of the conversation, mm-hmm. like you said, but making it the beginning, the times we have energy, the times we're able, we're not, not always. always. That's okay. Right? Yeah. The, the times we're not, I would still avoid the word no and just say, you really want Ugh. that. They already know that it's a no. You really want that? Yes. I'm not going to insult your intelligence and explain no and why. Yeah. Most kids know that already. Yeah. They just need the validation and the loving follow through. Mm-hmm. What about dinner? Do you want to eat some of these veggies? I think setting actually, veggies for actually dinner. Actually, help. Can you help me a little right. bit? Setting the veggie dinner and breaking out like the appetizer portion of mm-hmm. dinner. When Let's my get son those has, crackers and hummus out. Let's do it. Has that hangry yeah. that moment where he's like tanking. Mm-hmm. I remember that as a kid. The news was always on. Mm-hmm. Like it was always like ch- I could hear chopping sounds, and I was ready I was like, to, "Am I tired? Am I hungry? Ready am I to, tired? Like, kill hungry? somebody!" <laughs> so place yourself in your kid's shoes in those moments and say, "What? What? What did I need? Mm-hmm. How can my parents support me in in waiting to eat or eating something now that's connected to dinner? That's yeah. not a little snack." And then you know, figure thing. out those moments. Like I think I feel often that we're so scared of getting in a pattern or a bad pattern. Sometimes just just give them a fucking chocolate chip or whatever they're asking for. Just give them a little, a little like, you know, 
whatever bar, mm. just if, if you're going to go 10 rounds over it and you're not feeling fit to handle it well, it's better that they have a little bar and quote unquote ruin their dinner. Then you scream at them. It actually is better. Yeah. Right. There was a food question that we can move to next. Something about good eaters. Great. September. Oh, love that truthful vulnerability. Dear mama. I think you're talking to Amy. Someone said my two-year-old's always been a really good quote unquote eater. But the last couple of weeks, he's taken a few bites and will then hold food in his cheek so that when his dad or I say, okay, another bite, he can point to his cheek and say, I'm still chewing. So uh, mm -hmm. he won't eat any more of his plate. So struggling with this and it becomes such a fight and our five-year-old daughter never did this. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. You've got a different kid than your daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He's calling you in, calling you out. I, what I, cute little squirrel what I hear him saying is you're controlling my eating. Yeah. You're telling me when to take bites. You're telling me when to swallow and I'm not digging it. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. I have two very wonderfully, beautifully resistant children who would never would never allow never me consent to, to feed never them. consent ever yeah wouldn't even as a baby with spoons anything mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. so i hear that and i think this two-year-old is saying intuitive eating mom it's a thing mm -hmm. go read these books they're at upbringing.co it's called a parent's guide to intuitive eating and it, it's a, a way to help your child gain agency and skills around their own eating. And it, it takes a huge trust fall to mm -hmm. say, oh my God, they're not gonna get enough. I'm not nursing them anymore, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, they look so skinny because they're growth spurting. I gotta mm -hmm. get that food in there, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's a reminder that says that the, the, the best, um, kind of the most um, uh, positive way a child is gonna be able to build eating skills and independent eating skills and inner attunement about hunger and satiety. Whether they're a year old, three years old, five years old, 12 years old, is being allowed to do it from the beginning, right? Is being given the food at a certain time and then they choose which foods and how much. And a two-year-old can feed themselves, right? Yeah. So I could talk about this the whole time. I love talking mm -hmm. about food. If you have more questions, SL Winters about this, um, definitely yeah. get in touch, but, but I would say, but these moments when we're getting, when we're getting that off, when we're getting yeah. that resistance from our kids, that's a like around cleaning, around yeah. eating, around diapering, go, go to the bathroom, yeah. get yourself dressed. These moments, that's our reminder. Okay. The resistance is happening. That's yeah. our ding, ding to not click into control mode. Mm -hmm. Right. But click into resist mode where we're like, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, what's my approach here? What's my invitation? Like what's the setting of the scene? Like, right asking ourselves these questions and, and thinking about our kids' freedoms. It's his body, it's his nourishment. We want him attuned to that. We don't want him to be looking to parents or ads or commercials for what he should Other be eating or how class. much he should be eating. We wanna mm -hmm. be working on his self-attunement. And you're right, Hannah, it is a huge trust fall, yeah. right? But but it's important and it's, it's the moment when we can, all these moments, cleaning, eating, hygiene, all these things, when we realize maybe I've been over-controlling a little bit, getting in there too much a little sure. bit, Let's tear up the script. Let's start fresh. We could say, I know I used to give you bites. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to put these foods out. And in my mind, I'm like, and I'm going to pray you're going to eat at least some of them. If not most of them, please a few green things. But I just, you, you know your body, right? I'll say things like that. You know your body, so eat what you want. I'm going to try your a couple green beans. Your taste buds are growing and you know yeah. what tastes good and feels good. You know when you're hungry, when you want more, <clears throat> and when you're done and you're, done, you're full. I trust you and you should trust your body too. Yeah. Within these eating windows, yeah. let's do this. And we provide a variety mm -hmm. of foods, 
knowing that our child is not going to round out <clears throat> a full plate diet within one meal. That's what usually in our mind is the pyramid. Okay, right. one bite of this, <clears throat> two bites of this, a little protein, little carb, little that, little that. That's not how true. we eat our bowls or salads or whatever, <clears throat> but not how kids do. They round out their diet. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm a little funny. Um, within, what is it, seven to 10 days. Yeah. So within seven to 10 days, research has shown that children will, toddlers even, will get everything they need from every food group because their bodies know best. Animals don't need to be fed specific food. Mm -hmm. They find the foods that their body needs. They find the minerals, mm -hmm. the, the calories, the types of fats that their body needs because we're an intuitive machine. We know mm -hmm. what we need to learn. We know what we need to, to eat. We know when we need to rest. We trusted our babies to a great extent when they wanted to nurse or have a bottle, mm -hmm. when they were tired and needed to when sleep. When they would spit the food out and be like, right. so cute, And then right? I think it's just two years old or that toddlerhood, all of a sudden we're like, oh God, we can't trust it anymore. Yeah. We've got to facilitate it. We still have to be supporting it, but support can really look a lot of different ways. And especially if we're getting resistance from our child, that's a beautiful mm -hmm. reminder to us that we might be over supporting a little bit and need to trust in their agency and ability, their mm -hmm. capability to be nourishing themselves. So give that a try. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, we've got resources at upbringing.co. Yeah, as we, we have a podcast episode as well called yeah. Free to Nourish when we went through one podcast episode at a time, most of our freedoms. Mm -hmm. Check out that episode. Also the Instagram account Feeding Littles is one of oh, our yeah. favorites that's based on intuitive eating. It's by a nutritionist uh, mother-daughter combo and they're great. All right. Another question. When toddlers snatch toys from each other, how do we mm. handle it? Do we take toy from one kid and give it back to the one who was already playing with it? But I also don't want to take the toy from the other kid. Oh, that makes so much yeah. sense. These moments that are, that our kids are snatching toys from each other, you know, bopping each other on the head, having these, these moments of, of, um, negotiation, of strife, of conflict. It's so easy for us to be like, okay, here's my role. I got to gear up. I'm the judge, the jury, the mediator right? The uh, hall monitor, the police, right? I'm all of these people that says, you get this and you get this, mm -hmm. you do this and you do this. My job is to fix this. My job is to set up a system that will work for these two people because they right. need to know <clears throat> that good people share and that everyone takes turns and how other people feel when they've lost something. This is our instinct, mm -hmm. right? And what everything we've been reading, all of our trainings are saying is, we can set that instinct aside. It's so understandable. It's so valuable. It's so wonderful. And instead, separate ourselves a little bit to say, I'm just sensitive support staff. I'm going to be more like what I'd said earlier, but didn't mean to, a mediator. Mm -hmm. A mediator or a therapist who says, looks like you were needing this. And looks like they took this away. Interesting. How did you feel about that? Is that right? And what were you looking for? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you had it <clears throat> and then she wanted it. Right. And it's just this incredible pressure off our shoulders to say, I don't have to fix anything. I don't have to judge anything. I don't have to make a victim or aggressor. I don't have to tie it all up with a pretty fucking bow. All I have to do is sit and be and play in the gray with these two little people who are getting so much from this interaction. Right. And remembering that this interaction isn't, isn't bad. Conflict isn't bad. Um, power struggles, share, not sharing toys, taking things from each other. It's all incredibly valuable. It's all really important experiences. And the way we support it is truly the most amazing thing. Right. We've all been conditioned to see 
someone who uh, resists authority and resists power as um, a threat or as um, a bully. maladaptive yeah. or a bully or a problem because that's what institutions train us to think. People who are in power don't want problem people down below saying, why? No, what about this? What about that? It goes against their agenda of maintaining their power. And so we, we could get into this for a long time, but we don't want to be perpetuating that in the home. It's a belief that comes easily to us to say, shut that down. Yeah. And we don't to have think, to. Gosh, these, these siblings um, need to know how it is. But that can create problematic cycles where they're constantly looking to us. Maybe some of you have experienced this. Mom, he took it. Mom, they ran away with my thing. Mom, they won't leave me alone. Right. And we're that person that gets almost tattled to as opposed to the person who's preemptively maybe diving in. We hear a squawk. We hear a tangle. We hear a whatever it is. And we can come in there and say, how's everyone doing? Mm -hmm. In our minds, we're like, not good. That's okay. Not so but we come on the scene. We're like, how are you doing? So, okay. So I see a little, and we like have to take hands apart and be like, oh, okay. I see a Lego here. I'm going <laughs> to hold the Lego for a second. So I'm holding it. I'm going to hold it just really quick. Okay. What's going on? Not who did what, when, mm -hmm. how everyone confess. Mm -hmm. What's going on, everyone? How you doing? Right? We're summoning all of our energy to be as neutral. And as cool as possible. Sometimes we can't do this. Sometimes we come in raging. That's okay. We'll do the circle back we talked okay. about earlier. But we can just be that best. person to just say, not how quickly can I resolve this and fix it, but how much time can we spend building skills and connection together over a very natural situation that's going to come up the rest of their lives. That's what's so beautiful about sibling and friend relationships in these early years is we're not trying to say avoid conflict, fix conflict, mm -hmm. be nice right away, because that actually undermines their awareness building and skill building. What we're saying is let's slow whenever possible, slow mm -hmm. this whole thing down into slow-mo so we can get as much learning done as possible so that you can be equipped for future conflicts because you're never going to be able to avoid future conflicts with friends, with family, with work, mm -hmm. with strangers, Right. Yeah. We want to equip them with not just how to run away or blame people, mm -hmm. right. Or shame or blame, but say, I, I can hold myself in this conflict. I can mm -hmm. handle the discomfort yeah. of mutual or multiple needs being unmet for a little while. Yeah. But that can only happen for our kids if we can handle it. Right. And that's our practice yeah. as parents. And we get a little better at it every time we walk in there. Maybe we're <clears> screaming <throat> the first time. Maybe the next time we're like, anyway, how's it going? <laughs> Maybe the third time we come in and we're like, how's it going? Everybody get that back to her. <laughs> Maybe the next time we're like, how's it going? Okay. The toys and yeah, just give it back to her. Please just give it back to her. Right. This is an evolution. It's okay. If every time we go in there, we're a little cooler, we're a little calmer. We're a little bit more normalizing, mm -hmm. creating a positive association. <clears throat> Everyone says negative association around conflict. Negative association around fighting. Negative association around you needing this and you needing this. And that's coming into conflict or I just can't handle it. No growth, no work. Right. So that's our goal is to create positive associations. But we have to create that for ourselves first. And yeah. that's the work. That's all about this pep talk. Right. <laughs> is saying we can't give it's our okay. kids what we don't experience or have ourselves. So yeah. we're just doing it with them and it's going to be okay. Yeah. SL said, thank you so much. The food is so triggering for me. So this is from the earlier portion when we were talking about her two-year-old hiding food in his cheeks and waiting to be done. Because growing up, she says, my parents, they say my parents were very controlling with food and I needed to eat what was put in front of us. I think I was over-controlling, sad face, and that's okay. That's okay. You're noticing those things. That's fantastic that you're thinking about why? Why do I need my two-year-old? Why do I have to spoon feed them? Why do I have to encourage them to eat certain bites? Why do I have to coach them to get through this, to get to a dessert? 
to get to a game, to get to a show. I don't have to do that. Yeah, don't have to do it. Let's see, what else have we got here? I feel like we skipped over. Someone said, wow, this is speaking to me about no's. So avoiding saying no. Sometimes my girl says, all I hear are no's. Nice idea to join alongside and be more curious. Yeah. Doesn't it? And I, I think about that too. I love that your daughter's giving you feedback about it. And sometimes I get the feedback of feeling like, God, I'm just, I feel like I'm shutting them down all the time. It doesn't feel good being the, the shutter downer either. Mm-hmm. It feels terrible feeling like I'm constantly having to say no. And th- in those moments, I think we, we feel like we need to double down on getting angry at our kid. You're putting me in a place to continually say no. Mm-hmm. Why are you making me say no so often? You're just needing, 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 right? Mm-hmm. It's such a good reminder. It's our kid's job to need, to ask, and to, to resist, to pester, yeah. to not stop at a no. That's their job. Right. We want them to have that healthy resistance. We can't expect them to not do that because that's a skill we actually want to nurture in them. We yeah. want to maintain that resistance, that why, that no, that what about this, so that mm-hmm. they can advocate for themselves in the classroom, in the fraternity, mm-hmm. in the boardroom, in the hospital room. In all of these places that are really important for them to say, but what about this? What what is my inner wisdom telling me? I have the authority and permission to say, what about these things, right? And then to, once they've got their needs met, once they're stable, secure people Mm -hmm. who know how to advocate in that way, to go meet those needs for other people who struggle to advocate based on where they are in their lives, based on where they are in our society, our flawed society. Right. People who, who are struggling to advocate for themselves can't advocate for others. It's harder. They can't. Yeah. Right. And that's part of our privilege. Right. Someone said, my son is three. He's what we call spirited. He's very confident, does not back down and has a very hard time not getting what he wants. He screams, cries, and does not stop when he is frustrated. Ignoring him, validating him, encouraging breaths or time to express himself does not appease. We're at a loss. Any help. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that goal. I would say, Yeah, what's the goal? goal? I think the goal is not appeasing. The goal is not stopping his resistance or his nose or his big feelings. The goal is just being there to support through it. Regardless, it's, it's redefining our, our idea of success as parents. We think success is little people who do what we need and who look happy and seem fulfilled and are moving through life and looking successful and like they're adapting and that they're feeling fulfilled. That's our, that's our automatic goal, harmony, happiness, security, right? So when our kids are spirited and sensitive, that rocks us at the core. It says nothing will feed them. What's going on? Why are they resisting? Why, when I give them what they need, they won't uh, be okay. Why, when I tell them no and hold a boundary, they won't be okay. Mm-hmm. It rocks us. It throws us into this limbo of, of, um, of disillusionment, of distress, of doubt, And that's okay. That's all understandable. And I think that the the sense of trust that we're trying to build, the sense of acceptance that we strive for daily is saying what our kids are doing nine times out of 10 more times than that is okay. Their reactions are okay. Their resistance is okay. Their behaviors are okay. Their feelings are okay. All of it is okay. Like, can we just give you permission to accept your child exactly for who they are, their intuitive little being, exactly for what they're doing and to say, how can we show up continually as often as we can with unconditional love, with supportive presence, with boundary setting, mindful, prepared boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to hold those two things, a limit. We can't do this, but with the warmth of, 
and I love you and I see you and I get why you want to. And that's shutting down the impulse. And letting it play out from there. Mm -hmm. That's okay if he's not letting go. That's okay if he has big feelings about it still. It's all okay. Yep. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with him. Someone said response to three-year-old that that says no when I ask, can I tell you why? I say, can I tell you why? And I get a big no. Yeah. They might be coming a little bit late. Yeah. Might be coming when they're a little bit too amped up at that point. They're not wanting to know. That's saying, they're telling us in these moments when our kids say, I don't want to hear your explanation, Mm -hmm. your information, those things. They're saying, my brain is at a point now where I'm so emotionally overwhelmed that I can't take in new information, that I'm rejecting Mm -hmm. new information. And that's pretty great that they're saying no instead of hitting you or attacking you or uh, Mm -hmm. other things they could be doing. Absolutely. Which also mean no. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying. And then someone said, what about when other parents intervene in forced sharing? So we were talking about sharing Mm -hmm. earlier and and playing well with others. And someone else said, great question. Yeah, that's something that we've experienced in public or with like, you know, family or friends around remember a friend one time saying, you each get it for 30 seconds. And I was like, gosh, that's quick. <laughs> that's a really long time to play with that riding horse or whatever the thing was. Um, I think it's so easy for, for like we said, our cultural conditioning to tell us to intervene and set up a scene. And we have that extra added pressure when more people are at play and there's a little bit of a social angle to the interaction. And we just started calling it out right away, whether we're at a, a park and they're on the little swing set or, or thing, whether we're at a friend's house and they're talking about a toy. Sometimes we'll just say, you know, I'm just happy letting it play out and letting them have the feelings and share when they're ready. You might do that differently. That's just how we roll, right? Like I might just call it out like that. If you have a, a chance to call it out ahead of time, cause it's family, you could just say, we're, we're trying this new thing we've been reading about about helping support our kids through conflict, not by controlling it, but by kind of supporting it in a new way. Mm-hmm. Are you interested to learn more? What can I explain to you about it? Or do you want to just experiment, see what happens? Mm-hmm. You know, I think oftentimes people just assume that what we're doing is permissive and thoughtless. Mm-hmm. And I think that oftentimes cueing them into the fact that we have a fucking program mm-hmm. girlfriend mm-hmm. And that, oh, what's your program? What have you read about this? Like, it's Lord of the Flies over there. <laughs> yeah. Who cares about sharing? Right. No, uh, this is intentional. Oh, it's yeah. called intuitive play. Yeah. It's something I've been reading about and I'm letting these things play out as long as everything's safe. How yeah. do you feel about trying that out? Yeah. And then we process about feelings afterward. Yeah. And if they are not into that, then you're like, okay, cool. Well, or you, you find your safe place, space, you find your not safe space. And that's something you can <clears throat> process with your kid, maybe less when they're yeah. younger, but more when they're older being like, so grandma's I've noticed, so. she kind of just gets in there. When, when you guys are having a, a little bit of a struggle and deciding who gets the thing next or what we can do, yeah. sometimes she just kind of takes it until you can decide. Or sometimes she decides who gets it. And that feels a little bit strange because that interesting. We don't really do that. That's mm-hmm. so interesting how she does that at her house. Yeah. How do you feel about that? What could mm-hmm. we do? Right. Bring yeah. your kid in and raise that awareness of just difference. Yeah. Right. At the park, it's kind of this way with these mm-hmm. people at the park. At grandma's, it's a little different. At mm-hmm. our house, it's a little different. Kids can code switch. They can build that awareness. Yeah. And if they can't, then they're going to struggle through it to learn how to build that awareness. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. And we'll be sports casting their reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone also on the sharing thing that loves your hair, by the way, Kel, and said, had such a hard straight. day with her kids, four and two and a half. Happy birthday, four-year-old. The older one's been hoarding toys and asked for whatever the younger one is using the second he picks it, uh, picks something up. Something we want to protect the little one's chance to use and learn with that object, but feel like it makes the older one more obsessive. Yeah. When we get in between 
our kids' relationship and their play dynamic. <laughs> we have the best of intentions, but it can get a little tricky. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're one of the players in their thing. Rather、mm. than saying, obviously, we don't want our four-year-old to always be dominating and taking things from our two-year-old. But oftentimes, two-year-olds don't even care that that's happening.、Mm-hmm. And then when they do care what's happening, the the、um, kind of the goal that that is bestowed upon us isn't to balance out and recalibrate what's right and what's wrong, how to get each one whatever. It's to just non-judgmentally show up as a mediator and sportscast what's going on, hold space, right, and say you're wanting to take each of his things, you're wanting to keep that. How's that going? It seems for like you? your brother maybe didn't、right. like it when you snatched it out of his hands. He Seems kind of upset, right? right? Like we're so neutral. We're just there on the scene、yeah. to support. And I think later we can always come back and say, "Older kid, what are the things that you don't ever want the, this two-year-old to take from、mm-hmm. you? Younger kid, two-year-old, which things are no-go zones that are not sharing? It's just where yours, where you're renegotiating and doing stuff, but、mm-hmm. that are just yours. And then there's a very clear game plan."、Mm-hmm. Then you have the agency to say, "I'm sorry, I have to take this back and help this two-year-old get it back. He's not as strong as you, and he doesn't have the the words to say, 'Hey, that's mine.' Remember, though, that's on our fridge with which things are his and which things are yours. Remember the Legos and the dolls.、Mm-hmm. So here we go, and you can enforce that with having that that kind of preconceived agreement in place.、Yeah. Otherwise, you want to let it play out and let them learn through the struggle."、Mm-hmm. Preventing or preempting、uh, the struggle is undermining actually、yeah. the skill building that you want to be learning.、Yeah. And I think we can also be just kind of tuning、Teaching. in and and paying attention to are there like s- certain moments that our older kid is getting real grabby.、Mm-hmm. Where's their、mm-hmm. what are their snatch zones? Is it around a certain space?、Mm. Is it around a certain time of day? Yeah. Like if it's really feeling like a pattern, and you don't want to be the the kind of like police for your two year old,、right. or you, you don't want to feel permissive and giving the older kid everything and just sitting there in the shit as the younger one's losing it, we can be working around the edges a little bit, working the environment, working、mm-hmm. on being like, okay, the older one's in a snatchy mood. Little guy, do you want to come to the kitchen with me and、right. get in the tower and we'll cut some veggies? Or yeah, our older one who's snatchy, snatchy.、Mm-hmm. Are you wanting mom and dad's attention right now? And、yeah. can I support you? What do you need? Do you need to move your body? Are you feeling uncomfortable? Are you just testing out power dynamics and being curious? Or are you feeling uncomfortable inside?、Yeah. Usually, snatchy behaviors, pokey behaviors, right? Are stress response. So、yeah. usually that means the four-year-olds need a little support from the parent.、Mm-hmm. It's not about the toy, right? It's, it's, it's not about the sibling,、yeah. right? Yeah. Let's see. Someone else said, "I don't have any children, but I work in a primary school, so this is lovely to hear and read a new perspective." Thanks for being here. What did Ashley say? Someone、That's、else said,、there. "Oh, Ashley said about."、Um, Someone else said, "This is my struggle these days as we're reengaging in play." So the sibling、mm-hmm. dynamic of saying, "How can I just be that non-judgmental mediator and let things play out? Let them have those feelings and help them build context, right?、Mm-hmm. Help write the script of what's going on, who's、mm-hmm. needing what." And Ashley was just saying, "A kid's still saying no. Don't tell me why. It's still、mm-hmm. saying I'm still in the empathize step of our、yeah. resist approach, right? Yeah." They're not ready to start problem solving and getting information. They're still feeling too emotionally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you want to read that? Amy said, "On the same wave with the sharing thing and differences with other parents,、mm-hmm. is that how you handle socialization, quote unquote, hiccups at school or out in the quote unquote real world, the sports casting?" Yes, yeah, we sports cast for our kids, we sports cast for other parents, we sports cast for 
in-laws, yeah. our parents. We also just let things go mm-hmm. and say, I'm doing this not for everyone else's approval, which I've been conditioned to expect and require, but I'm doing this for my child. And so I'm going to just have to let go of some of that people pleasing expectation that mm-hmm. I have and I'm struggling to let go of. Mm-hmm. And then I also think that just be like, he's grabbing stuff today. Mm-hmm. He's super grabby. Right. I Sorry. Think, I think so much about yeah. it is our, is our conviction and our calmness in the moment to yeah. say, I'm not pretending this isn't happening. I'm not like freaked out by this mm-hmm. or wanting to avoid it. Right. I'm, I'm here and I'm seeing this and I've got a program and I may not explicitly tell you, but you, why don't you come and talk to me about it? Yeah. Come on, come on over. Yeah. I am in this moment. But yeah, so much of that, uh, those interactions, those social interactions around sharing, around play, all those things is about so much bravery, transparency, awareness in the moment and confidence and, and thinking how much of this is about me. How much of this is about my kid and what they're mm-hmm. experiencing, what another kid's experiencing. I remember going to a, like a kind of one of those padded play gyms with my son when he was crawly. And this woman was walking around with her other crawly kid. And anytime they picked up a toy that was even remotely near my, my son, she would pull it out of their hand and be like, oh, sorry, here, and, pa- and pass it closer. And it was, it was painful watching mm-hmm. how much she, she cared about sharing and, and was snatching things from her daughter. You know, in that moment, I was wondering, what is the baby thinking? Being constantly having things taken away from her. She doesn't understand these conventional moors, these, these because things. Because she hasn't lived through them yet. This is for this woman very personal. This is for this woman very parent to parent. Mm-hmm. That's where she's existing right now. So I think it's an important moment to check in and say, where's this feeling coming from? Where's this discomfort coming from? What is this about? What am I worried about? <clears throat> what can I take from that worry or that stress? And voice transparently and bravely to the other person there. Right. And that, that's in the moment. And then outside the moment, if these are people you know or or, or family members, mm-hmm. you can always connect with them later. If it just feels a little bit too stressful, mm-hmm. like we can't always show up, we're busy, or we're feeling a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. So wait and just let it go and then follow up later and say, hey, want to connect about this thing yeah. or Hey, um, I just want oh. to fill you in on what the approach we're taking yeah. right now. My kid was so grabby stuff. tonight. You probably noticed, and I wasn't sure when and how to step in. I'm really trying to work this thing of letting things play out while keeping kids safe. Mm-hmm. That might have seemed awkward in the moment, and I'm sorry about that. Right? You know, we can we can just call it out. Same thing goes with with eating and with different mm-hmm. eating protocols with intuitive eating versus yeah. other eating. We were just co- doing a coaching call for a baby. Uh, right from the start community where people were like, how do I deal with grandparents and friends? Yeah. And you just can do the best you can in the moment, show up with calm conviction, and then later process if you can with them about where you're coming from, yeah. from a non-judgmental, you do you, I'm doing me perspective. Yeah. And we got yeah. that circle back, not just for our kids, but for the people in our lives. Yeah. Those moments of stress and overwhelm, mm-hmm. just think, putting a pin in it. I'm going to circle back about this so hard. It's going to be okay. I don't have to deal with it right now. I'm going to write it later. It's okay. If people are confused about me, offended Mm -hmm. by me, a little bit miffed, Mm -hmm. a little bit judgy. It's hard for a lot of us to hold that Mm -hmm. as sensitive people and pleasers where we've always focused on what everyone else thinks and trying to write relationships mm-hmm. at the expense of our own needs or now at the expense of our child's needs. Yeah. And it's okay. We don't have to do that. We don't have to make everyone else in the room or the park feel comfortable at the expense of our child. Mm-hmm. Don't have to do it. Okay. Yeah. Someone said, but all of our toys are the older kids toys. So how does that work? So this two-year-old's <laughs> coming into maybe this 
four-year-old, five-year-old territory. And so of course the five-year-old has every ability to just snatch, 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 right? That makes so much sense. Maybe it's the time to start separating some toys and saying, does the two-year-old have some of their own private things or private space? Or I would say, you know, sort of indicate from now on, everything is both of yours. Mm -hmm. What things are very specifically yours right Mm -hmm. now? And just continue to reiterate that older child. Those are your specific things you chose. You're having feelings about these things too. Right now, these are for both of you. I'm going to be here. I'm going to keep everyone safe. And I'm going to keep saying when he's done with it, he'll give it to you. When you're done with it, you'll give it to him. It's Whenever hard that to wait. It's hard. Oh, what can yeah. we do while we're waiting? Right. So, so we're learning patience, building all of those things with our kids. Yeah. We're helping them create a safety and disappointment mm-hmm. so that when our kids grow up and they feel disappointed, they don't tank mm-hmm. or they don't get incredibly angry and not say anything. It's so interesting right? though, how we're like, gosh, just, just be patient. He's using it. Be patient, be patient, be patient. Like we're not patient about it. <laughs> about we, their we want our kids to be patient so bad. Like, right. It's just yeah. a good reminder that anything that we want to be instilling in our kids, we have to be trying to practice ourselves because kids learn by the way we teach. Right. right. Not just the thing, not just the lesson, not just, don't bop your brother or clean up your room mm-hmm. or be nice or don't run across the street or don't touch that breakable thing. They learn by the way that we mm-hmm. convey that, invite that, support that. Right. Thank you all for showing up tonight. I think that the, one of the big takeaways for me that's just coming to mind right now is just this acceptance and this sense of trust mm-hmm. that what our kids are doing um, is helping them grow. It's not limiting them from growing. It's not limiting them from excelling. It's not limiting them from connecting. It is actually fostering all of those things. And we are the inhibiting factor in that growth in that equation because of the way we've been culturally conditioned. Mm -hmm. And we have to let our child lead in that way and trust in them as seeing them as someone who is unconditioned to this white patriarchy and capitalist society we're in. Someone who is so pure that they are intuitive about every single thing that they need to build in their lives from their play to their sleep, to their speaking and engagement and connection to their, um, to their eating, to their feelings, right? When they got those big feelings, when we see all of these things that trigger in us, wrong, wrong, can't be happening. That's not truth. It's, it's our cultural conditioning Mm -hmm. and we have to still set boundaries. We have to sell you know, um, meet our needs and our other kids' needs and move through the rhythms of daily life. But can we open our minds a little bit to say, wow, our kids are guiding us just as much as we are guiding them in so many moments. They're showing us this open-minded, intuitively engaged, really like beautiful way of living. And and we're going to be inputting on that and they're going to be inputting on us. And that's how this growth is happening. It's this beautiful tier rather than this top-down hierarchy. I love that. Ashley said, I have to head out. It was so good to be here. So good to just be on this journey, doing this work alone. This was such a boost tonight. Trusting my kiddos feels so good. Thank you, ladies. We're glad you're all here. Mm -hmm. Trusting your kiddos, trusting yourself, rekindling that sense of trust with yourself, with what feels right. When most of the trust that we've been built, building as people over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years has been trusting in others, in authority figures, in people who have ulterior motives and their own trauma and pain and needs to be taken care of. And it's a, all of this is this parenting work we're coming into saying by honoring and trying to notice and, and work with my child's needs, I'm also renegotiating and coming across, stumbling upon 
my own needs and my own inner wisdom and authority, right? And sometimes those come into conflict and that's okay. And sometimes they align in a really beautiful way. And we can be doing that showing up and growing up with Mm -hmm. our kids at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Just to wrap that up, like it's all okay. It's going to be okay. And Hannah doing the kind of hands like this. It's so often uh, we talk about how we think of these these challenges, this work we're doing as a staircase. We've been conditioned to say you're two steps ahead and then, oh, you're one step back. You've made a little progress holding it together, right? And then you scream or you spank your kid or you yell at them and make them feel shame about something they've done or you revert to how you were raised or you end up sounding like your mother or whatever it is. And none of those is a step back. It, everything is is moving forward where it's like a river, not a staircase, right? We're flowing. If we're here, we're aware, we're doing the work, we're setting intention, we're taking baby steps every day in moving through this and growing up alongside our kids. And that's a practice, right? Even through the challenges and mm-hmm. especially through those challenges. Yeah. Brianne, you said you're starting back to work after a year of maternity leave and you're really struggling that your baby's going back and might be scared or struggling at daytime mm-hmm. without you or at daycare without you. And your heart's aching about that. And we get that and we want to mm-hmm. hold space for that and remember that trusting in your your attachment, trusting in your relationship mm-hmm. with your child, trusting in your child's ability to adapt and connect yeah. and be resilient and move through these things, trusting in your ability to find a daycare that you trust and you feel good about, yeah. right? These are all coming together yeah. right? and also giving yourself permission to just have all those feelings. Yeah. And that's okay too, to just feel super shitty about a transition or super worried about whatever it is. Yeah. Hold that trust with those other harder feelings. Yeah. It can be both, right? That's going to buoy you on the, on that river. Yeah. And that you'll know once you start it, whether you want to change it up, whether you want to find something mm-hmm. else, you'll know, but you have to just engage in that moment. And that's the scariest part is taking that first step forward yeah. and trying something new. And that's really big. We always talk about quality over quantity. And so I want to just end on this yeah. and saying that you know, we, we, we can't always be this perfect person. We can't spend every single moment with our kids doing the perfect things. Kids don't actually require that. And babies don't either. What they require is a quality moment or series of moments of attachment, a feeling that they're safe, that they're seen, that they're soothed, that they're ultimately secure, right? As Tina Payne Bryson and Dan Siegel say that security, right? Mm-hmm. And that as long as we're giving that in, in moments during the day or whatever we can, that is enough. If they have one caregiver mm-hmm. who can give that to them as often as they can, that yeah. is enough for these babies and these yeah. kids. And a reminder that those moments of connection, those moments of care can happen, yes, in the happy moments. Mm-hmm. Sitting on the lap and reading, hugging, cuddling, enjoying a tasty treat, <laughs> taking on the swings. Those are the moments we've been conditioned to think, connection. This is a time for joy and love and harmony Foster and attachment. And, yeah. yeah. Get in there with the attachment. And then also we want to con- continue to think of those moments that are more challenging as opportunities for connection to, or just after them in the circle back, mm-hmm. right? Those moments too, if we can have one really great moment with our kids in a happy moment, and if we can have one very solid connection when they're struggling a day, awesome, amazing. amazing. 
You're all doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. You should be proud of yourselves. Yeah. Um, send us a DM if we didn't get to your, your question yeah. or your thought tonight. We had a mm -hmm. lot here and we're just so grateful you were here showing up and growing yeah. up with us and exploring these feelings and these situations and putting words and intention to them. Yeah. Um, you're doing an amazing job. So this will be on the podcast on Monday. Yes. Unless you're listening on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Um, for any other questions, upbringing.co or our Instagram account here. Yeah. See you all We're next here. week. <laughs>